Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new, new back in America. America. Soccer new, back in America. Featuring person Talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 78 of Soccer Noob Rock in America. Yeah, the show gets just that weird every once in a while. The theme song is only the beginning, but hey, we're going to have a lot of good information for you. Let us tell you about it. I am Soccer Noob. I haven't been following soccer that long, but I've been learning about it all over the world all at the same time, and I'm here to share what I'm finding with you. Joining me for the ride, as always, is my now 10-year-old daughter, Person Noob. Hello! She is, of course, comparatively new to being alive. That's the joke. But what's not a joke is that we really are going to be covering soccer from all over the world. Big countries, small countries, uh, international tournaments, whether it's clubs or national teams. If it's important where it's being played, there's a pretty good chance that we're taking a look at it. And that means we're going to get some matches that no other podcast out there does. This week, we are going to be looking at matches from Friday the 8th through Thursday the 14th. Now, before we get into the upcoming week's matches, I've been looking for a little feedback on Twitter. Soccer Navy USA is my handle there. And from my own staff. And what I've been learning is, hey, you know what, Noob? The soccer is great. It's the spine of the show. But we really want to hear more from Person Noob. She's great on the countdown duties. We need to get more of her stuff back in. And we want to know what she thinks about things. So let's start off with a conversation with Person Noob. So before we get into the soccer, people out there want to know, and they have let me know on Twitter, Soccer Noob USA, by the way, we'd love to hear from you, particularly Person Noob, right? Mm -hmm. Is that people are interested in what you have to say. I'm sure that they enjoy the soccer from all over the world. And so I manage the spine of the show, but you are the starlet of the show in mine and in the opinion, I believe, of many others. So... You, we talked a little bit last week, uh, episode 77, about your birthday. And now here it is, episode 78. And what did we finally get to have? My birthday party. Yeah. Why did we not have your birthday party the week before? Because my mom canceled it. Yeah. Why did she cancel it? Because I died. <laughs> well, you died. Well, welcome back from the grave. That's wonderful. Resurrected. It's Easter time, so that works. Or could it be that you had the major version of the minor thing that I caught after the fact, which was... The stomach bug. The stomach flu or something. It was bad. It was bad. It wasn't a close call to have to move the party, was it? Mm-hmm. And there were a few of your friends that weren't able to make it because they were away on spring break that would have got uh, that would have gotten to come the first time. So that was a little sad. Unfortunate for them because they missed a good time and unfortunate for you because you missed their company, I'm sure. Uh, who did get to come? Uh, Natalie, Levi, Haley, Kaylee, and the cousins. 
Yes. And how many of your cousins came? Five. Five. How many uh, kids does your Uncle John have? Seven. Wow. Yeah. Their ages in range from how old is the youngest one? Uh, four. Four. And the oldest one is? Twenty-one. And he is? Married. Oh, wow. You knew where I was going with that. Good job. So, yeah, there's quite a spread. So, anytime that your uncle and, and a fair number of the cousins can make it down, that alone is quite a birthday party. And don't forget your friends Sammy and Zora. Yeah. All the other friends were from where? Church. Church. Chech? Like you said it once accidentally. Oh, she's swiping at me like she's going to hit me. That's an inside joke none of you will get. Chech. But that's okay. This is our show. We can do it the way we want. And uh, where do we have your birthday party? The Galaxy Bowling Center. And was it awesome? Was it everything you hoped and dreamed? Yes. Yes. We had a lot of kids bowling, were you? I think there were 10 of you. I was beaten by a baby. At one, I was beaten by our, our tiniest cousin at one point. Oh, really? Moses was beating you? Yeah, 16 yeah. to 15. Well, he was, he was using the ramp, though, whereas you don't use the ramp. And it's hard to get into a flow when you're one of ton people on a single lane. The adults use the second lane. Did you get any strikes? No. How many? One. One? Ooh, guess how many your dad had in 20, the half a game he played. 26. 20, <laughs> you're very close. B. <laughs> well, I had two. I just can't say the number. You know what? We'll get into that later in the show if you know. I had two strikes on the day, so it was exciting. And we had pizza and what kind of cake? Uh, red velvet. Oh, is, I don't know if that's your very favorite, it but is. I, it is. Oh, is that why mommy got that? Yeah, well, that's one of my favorites too. I like yellow cake best, but red velvet is a very, very close second. We had uh, pizza and pop, and you got to play. What games did you play in the arcade? Well, I got these awesome new balls and I'm fidget with that, fidgeting with at the moment. Oh yeah, that you won playing what games? Uh, it was a it was a game that you had. It was like a one of the dropper games where you have to like take the thing and. Oh, the claw. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I thought maybe you won tickets and then went up somewhere and and picked a prize, but that was the claw game, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, that's play... really good because you got at least two of those. Mm-hmm. The claw games can be kind of difficult sometimes. I played air hockey, I played um, a shooting game, and I played, um, uh, it was a another shooting game, and I played basketball. And you gave a d- dad a million hugs because I set everything up, didn't I? No. No, I didn't. <laughs> She's patting me sympathetically like, no, no, dad, you cut some cake and some pizza and help with some drinks. We set it all up. I, mom, but I made the dumbest idea in history. What was that? I put a candle on my cut slice of cake and then I lighted the candle and I ate it as it was, as the candle was lit and I burned myself a little bit. Wow. Safety, (laughs) safety first. Maybe you'll know better when you are 11 years old instead of the magic number 10. Welcome to your tween years. How does, how does it feel to be a tween? Quack. I don't know what to make of that answer, but that's as good as anything else. Do you, do you feel any different than the day before you turn 10? Nope. Those changes kind of come over time, don't they? Mm-hmm. You'll In a few months, you'll by the time you're 10 and a half, you'll really feel different than when you like just turned nine. That's what I think. Do you have any recommendations for people about whether or not they should have birthdays? Have a birthday party. Don't go insane. Don't waste all your money. Don't invite stupid people. And have 
one, children. Oh, and put your snails in the fridge. Just kidding. Don't put snails in the fridge? No. Why are there snails involved? Because there can be. There can be? Oh, and, and, and don't uh, don't burn yourself with a birthday candle. <laughs> don't yes, eat, you may look abashed. Don't eat a cake with a lit candle on it because there will be wax in your cake. So your overall your overall uh, thoughts on this are people should have birthdays or not have birthdays? Yes, they should. They should have birthdays because what's the alternative? When you have a birthday, you'll feel more celebrated. Yeah, and and if you don't have a birthday, it means you you're done. You died. <laughs> died. <laughs> That's right. More birthdays, less death. That I think is. Would it be safe to say that that is the theme of? That is the point, the thesis of this segment today. Birthdays are better than death. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Shall we get back into the soccer? No. How about just yes, because we don't have anything else. Sure. Sure. Why not? Why not? Match number one. Don't even need to pack a bag for match number one. We're going to start right here in Major League Soccer with a Sunday match. Uh, there were some Friday and Saturday matches that looked intriguing, and I want to say that normally most weeks I would have covered the top two matchup in Kuwait. They're getting near the end of their season, as well as one a bit closer to home or more familiar, at least, in Northern Ireland. There's just not room for everything every week when I, we hold ourselves to 10 main matches. But Sunday, we do get our weekend started with number four in the West. Ooh, yeah, surprising. Austin FC, way to go, Verdes. And they are going to be playing host to number eight, Minnesota United. Now, a reminder for our newer fans, the top seven teams from each of the two conferences will make the playoffs at the end of the year. And the winners of each of the two conferences, they will go straight through to the semifinals. First... Uh, let's take a look at the table. They're actually both tied at eight points, to be perfectly honest. We know it's very early in the season, so there are five teams with that many points. The series between these two, they've played three times. Minnesota has won two of them and lost one. You can catch this version at 7.30 in the evening Eastern Time, Fox Sports 1 or Fox Deportes. As always, we'll talk about the home team first. Last year, Austin, they only finished in 12th place. The really the worst of the Western soccer was all in Texas. I believe all three spots uh, in the West were occupied by Texan teams. But Austin was not the last place one by the very end. So nice work by them. This year, they're doing very well, at least on the offensive side of the ball. They're leading their conference in that regard. Here's a couple of the key players to look for. Tied for second so far in league scoring is Sebastian Driussi. He is from Argentina, plays attacking midfielder. He spent uh, four years at uh, Zenit St. Petersburg over in Russia. But then, and I'm a little confused on this because I found two different seemingly conflicting pieces of information, but maybe they work in tandem. One thing that I read said that he bought himself out of the last year of his own contract there and then came over to Texas. But I also read that there might have been a transfer fee worth as much as $7 million. Might have been one, might have been the other. Maybe some combination. Regardless, Texas is really happy to have him. And who is setting him up? Well, tied for second best in league assists is Diego Fagundes. He represents for Uruguay or has in the past. Attacking midfielder does a little time at forward. He actually, uh, his family moved to Massachusetts when he was just five years old. 
but he has repped for Uruguay as high up as uh, the under-20 national team. He's he's very familiar with the MLS play. He's been uh, the last uh, decade through 2020 with the revolution over in New England. How do things project out for them this year? Well, their attack should be fine. It wasn't totally wretched last year, despite the fact that they finished pretty low in the conference, but they've added some nice complimentary pieces. The issue is they may not be the fastest team in the world, to be honest. They could be bad in transition, both in trying to uh, start any sort of counterattacks or in trying to defend them. And they might continue to have problems right down the middle of the defense from their defensive midfielders uh, back on into their center backs. One of the problems that's going to exacerbate what was already a weak defense last year is that Matt Bessler retired. He had a long career with uh, Sporting KC before coming over to Austin. Now, the key replacement, and I think the guy that could be key to having some success in the season, maybe even flirting with a playoff spot. I know they're in fourth now, but it's early. But uh, defensive midfielder, new addition they have, uh, Johan Valencia. He helped... uh, He was a big star on the Colombian team last year that won the top flight league down there. Uh, As far as the MLS pundits, I've read the highest projection I've seen for them is 10th in the West. So, so far, they are definitely overachieving. And now your loons coming to town to try to put them back on an underachieving track. Uh, They made the playoff uh, semifinals in 2020, best they've ever done there. Uh, 2019 and 20 were their best league finishes. They finished fourth in the West. Last year, they finished in fifth place, and then were out in the very first round of the playoffs. The defense, just like last year, has been fine. The offense is once again a problem. In fact, so far, they're only scoring one goal per match. Now, the strength being the defense, and that's been maybe a little bit of a pleasant surprise to some because you'd like to have your goalkeeper situation, I would think, sorted out by the time the regular season starts. But they've had two guys who are really competing neck and neck the whole way. And the guy that's been getting more or all of the starts is not the one I think most people predicted. 24-year-old Canadian goalkeeper Dane St. Clair already has a couple of clean sheets, and right now he's tied for third in the league in that regard. Uh, The reason that's a bit of a surprise is he doesn't have, I don't think, any direct MLS uh, experience. Uh, Like three years ago, I believe he was with forward Madison down in the third tier. That's the USL League One. And then uh, the last couple of seasons, he's been mostly or entirely with San Antonio FC in the USL Championship, the second tier. I think the key guy for them, well, it's always going to be Emmanuel Reynoso. In a way, because you know what you're getting with him, designated player, superstar. That's our Argentinian midfielder. What's been hurting them on offense is they put a lot of stock in what a guy named Abu Donladi was going to be able to do for them. They picked him up in 2017, but his in, his career has been very injury-plagued. So it will be interesting to see what kind of toll those injuries have taken on him and whether or not he will be able to stay healthy for most or all of this season. Match number B. That's right, person noob number you know what? Oh, it's just not Kuth. Join us in a revolution in favor of number B, 1B345. Watch it in action, match number B. We're headed off to the familiar ground of the Premier League, where number one Manchester City plays hosts to number B, Liverpool, Manchester lead by just one. This is the worldwide match of the season, basically, and uh, it's a two-horse race. I believe at the time of scouting, Liverpool led Chelsea by uh, something like 10. Uh, For newer footy fans who may have found the show because of the noob in the name, I will tell you that the top four finishers at the end of the year, 
They earn a berth into the Champions League. The fifth place team will go to the Europa League. And right now the sixth place team gets to go to the new tertiary Europa Conference League tournament. Now, a little fun side note, they would have to imagine either of these teams losing completely out of this uh, after this. Manchester City cannot do any worse than Europa League berth, and Liverpool can't fall anywhere below six. So both teams, congratulations to them, are in fact guaranteed postseason berths. They're obviously both going to be going to the Champions League. The question is who's going to be lifting the hardware. Liverpool have had the uh, advantage in recent years with a 12, 11, and 8 record. You can catch this iteration on USA Network or Telemundo for the Spanish language broadcast at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Manchester City are seven-time league titleists and your defending champions. They were also the runners-up in the Champions League last year. A fun little side note I want to give you about them. Whenever I cover a great big match, the veteran footy fans, I know you probably know more about these teams than I do. So I at least try to give you something new. Uh, They've got Man City has a partnership, uh, their whole ownership group, with a bunch of teams from all around the world. Well, they just added one very recently, uh, mid-late February, I believe, with a fourth-tier side in France. I'm simply going to pronounce it VAN. It's V-A-N-N-E-S-O-C. Right now, they're in fourth place in the uh, Championnat National Two Again, that's the fourth tier. That's a multi-group league, if you will, and they are in Group A. Give you some idea of who's there. Uh, the The big team in Versailles is there, which historically a great big name, but not so much overall population-wise. And then uh, one of the minor teams from League One, uh, Lorient, uh, their reserve team plays in this league. All right, anyway, back to City Senior, if you will. They have the second-best offense, number one defense. They're going to try to control the pace of this game defensively, I will guarantee. Nevertheless, on the scoring leaderboard, uh, Kevin De Bruyne and a superstar I was a little bit less familiar with, Riyad Mahrez from Algeria. Top 10 assist man is Gabriel Jesus. Tied for number one in clean sheets from uh, Brazil, I believe, with 17 of those. Wow, is Ederson. But I have argued for it before, and I continue again. I think that their most important player, their best player, is probably Rodri. Uh, He is uh, their Spanish central midfielder, does a lot more defensive work. They've got plenty of high-priced weapons, clearly, on the offensive side. So he does a lot of the defensive dirty work. Uh, This is a guy with a very good tackle rate, makes a lot of interceptions, makes a lot of clearances. As far as his passing, he is going to get rid of the ball. He's got excellent passing accuracy, but he's not starting – Uh, any counters or anything by pushing the ball himself. He gets rid of it uh, quickly and cleanly. A lot of fun to watch. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last eight. They have won their last three. And uh, over that stretch, they have a seven and one goal differential. Now, Liverpool looking to come to town. Uh, I think everybody thought Man City at one point was going to run away with it, but here they are. And uh, by virtue of their offense, by and large, the defense is top two, sure, but they have the number one offense at the league, and they are the only ones averaging more than two and a half goals per match. Uh, Mo Salah from Egypt, he's got 20 of those goals, I believe, at the time I scouted it. Number one on assess, uh, number one on assists in the whole league is Trent Alexander Arnold. Sorry, I'm just so I found the next factoid so interesting that I'm trying to get right past Trent's name. 
the top three assist men in the league all play for Liverpool. Statistically, to me, that is just absolutely mind-blowing. We'll talk about one more of them in a second. Tied for number one in clean sheets. And no, I won't sing the Elvis Costello song this time. I got to space out the good stuff after all. Okay, I just didn't want to make you put up with it twice in a row. Allison, sorry, that's a great song and I'm aging myself a little bit. So your best statistical players on the team are guys we've already talked about. So you've got to look a little bit further down, I think, to find the uh, the secondary guys who are the ones that can make the difference. Probably their third strongest player statistically is Andrew Robertson. He is from Scotland, uh, primarily plays left back, but he does do some left midfielder work. And uh, you can tell because he is one of the guys who is tied for second place in the league in assists. Uh, He's got 56 national team caps, in fact. His passing is just kind of okay, which is a little bit surprising for a guy who spends some time in the midfield, but he is excellent with his dribbling. And then when he gets back on defenses, he is uh, very physical and is probably one of your league leaders in clearances. Uh, Team form. They have won five straight with an eight and one goal differential. I think that this is going to be... uh, immovable object, irresistible force, and essentially we're going to come out with a draw, probably 1-1. Match number three. I mentioned a couple of matches that I wanted to include earlier, and the truth is I had room for one of them in the way that I uh, ranked the matches to decide which are going to make the main 10. But I just couldn't help myself whenever this particular team from this league appears in one of the polls on Twitter that we do for the bonus matches. We'll talk about that a little bit later. You all constantly vote for this team because of their name. It is the last match of the season in Bermuda, the premier division there, which is probably uh, roughly around 20th ranked, I would have to guess, in uh, CONCACAF. I know they're not ranked by kick algorithms, which goes 18 deep. So that prediction on my part or estimation is based on their uh, national team FIFA rank, to be honest. But in any case, one more time, let's say hello and goodbye for the season two. Your league winning number one, Dandy Town Hornets. They are ahead by four heading into the last match of number B, Pembroke Hamilton Club. Normally that would more or less rule the match out, but since they've been a favorite for listeners of this show, I couldn't not include them. Uh, Personoob, what is the nickname of theirs that we love so much? Big Bad Dandy Dickies. And that's not one we made up. That is one of theirs. That is just, it's one of the reasons we love covering this, uh, covering matches from all over the world. You never know what you're going to find, whether it's great big surprises or smaller little fun ones like that. In any case, because the league is already decided, instead of using this as a chance to do a full-on mini-preview, we will get ourselves a prognostication so we know how to gamble on this thing. Let's hear a drug-aided or perhaps drug-addled vision from our 3,500-year-old diviner, Noobstradamus. Take it away, O mighty soothsayer. No more merciless Thracian plains of Greece for me. Hello from the Fairmont Hotel grounds in Pembroke Parish, Bermuda, home of your league champions. I have no desire or need to conjure a vision. This is a vision, the entire private villa I've procured for myself. Sure, it's the cutting winds of home that shaped my holy skills of divination, but they won't soften much after a stay here in paradise. 
For about $1,800 a day, this place sleeps ten. And believe me, I've already napped in each of the four luxurious bedrooms. Haven't touched a thing in the chef's kitchen myself, as I'm letting the in-house chef cater to my whims. My deck view of Horseshoe Bay is spectacular. But I'll continue spending most of my time being driven around by electric car rental to nearby Whale Bay instead. Because I can. The biking and walking trails are beautiful enough by reputation. But I'm not doing jack uh, stuff. Hi, person noob. Wish you were here to enjoy the private pool. Off to dinner at Ascot's after we're done here, noob. Be not jealous. While it's arguably the fanciest restaurant in the nation, they're still on a limited menu due to the pandemic. For all my powers of prognostication, still not sure whether I'll have the pan-seared mahi-mahi with shrimps and banana in a lemon butter rum sauce, or... Yes, the baked convict duck leg with blackberry sauce and some exquisite Malbec. I know you're more of a Shiraz man, dude, so don't feel like you're missing out in heaven in your mouth. No, yes, a soccer score. Not touching the lotus leaf here, I want to experience this vacation in fullness. So, five-star hotel, five-star dining. Sure. Five to five score, why not? Could be right. Who cares? Ta-ta from paradise, mere mortals. Match number four! All those were Sunday matches, in case I failed to mention for one or more of them. New Bites, you get Monday off, and we get back into our tracking of the main matches Tuesday as we come back closer to home. The CONCACAF, the women, are having their World Cup qualifying for their upcoming 2023 iteration of that event. Here at this stage of the qualifying, everybody is broken up into six groups of five. The winners will advance to the next stage where they will join the USA and Canada. Ultimately, there are going to be four teams from our region that automatically qualify to the World Cup out of that next stage. And then one or maybe even two more could end up qualifying through uh, inter-confederation or intercontinental playoffs. We'll delve into those weeds when it gets a little bit closer. This is the last match of the group stage. And we're looking at number one, Panama, taking on number B, El Salvador in their group. That is group D, as in David, and they are tied on points. Panama with a slight lead on goal differential. And we'll talk about Panama first. They are known as Las Canaleras, the uh, canal women, basically, or canal girls. And La Marea Roja, which, if my Spanish is good, is the red tide. So... Uh, kind of fun to make use to a little bit of the language skills there. I hope I'm getting that right. Uh, Panama, the gals are seeded number four in this event. They're rated number 60 by FIFA worldwide. They have never been to the World Cup. Who knows? This could be their year. Uh, now, in 2018, they finished. They did finish in fourth place in the CONCACAF Women's Championships, and that was their third appearance in that event. Uh, this event, they are just steamrolling everybody. 3-0-0 with a 22-0 goal differential. 
Team leading scorer has been Lori Bautista, midfielder, 25 years old. Uh, she's only been a pro for a couple of years. She plays with uh, Taro, I believe is how it's pronounced, down there in Panama. And she's already got 10 national team caps to her credit. We do have a couple of USA connections as well, although this will really give you some idea of how they might stack up against some of the gals from the U.S. based on where they, uh, where they do their playing. And no offense to these schools, but yes, I said schools. One of the gals, uh, Adriana Garcia, she's a forward. She plays for the Reinhardt, shout out to the Eagles in Georgia. That is an NAIA level school. And then they've got another forward named Gabriela Villagrande, or Via Grand rather. She plays at a little bit higher level, Division II, Angelo State down in Texas. And then one more name to look for. They are captained by Nat- uh, Natalia Mills. She is a forward that plays for, I know the men's side is very good. I don't know as much about the women's league, uh, Costa Rica's Alajuelense Club. And now your visitors, and definitely your underdogs, El Salvador. They're seated number 12 in the event. They're FIFA rank. Uh, they're almost as twice as low as their counterparts today. They're ranked well outside the top 100. They've never been to a World Cup. They've never even qualified for the CONCACAF Women's Championships the way Panama has, nor have they ever been to the Pan American Games or the Central American and Caribbean games, which is one event to find any international experience for them. You've got to go to 2017's uh, where they, when they finished number four in the event that was simply known as the Central American games. They've actually been to that three times. and That's tied for the best they ever did there, but they're doing pretty well in this event. Three zero and zero. They have a fifteen and two goal differential. I think they're going to be in a. If they can't win this match, I think they're going to at least be in very good position uh, for one of those intercontinental playoff spots. Spots potentially. They are led by top ten event scorer with. Uh, she's got five of those. She's netted. Yaselin Lopez, just twenty one years old, a forward, plays for uh, Cincinnati down home, which I like that club name because it sounds like Cincinnati, but there's no connection. This team actually has a bunch of USA connections. I won't go into all of them. The highest placed one in our. Uh, league system here in the U.S. They've got a forward named Stephanie Garcia. She plays for the Houston Aces of the WPSL, which is the women's second tier or division here in the States. Match number five. More Tuesday action, more Women's World Cup qualifying from UEFA's Group G. Now here's how things are organized there. The groups have uh, mostly six teams each. They're playing double round robins, the winner of each group qualifies straight to the World Cup. All the runners-up will get to move on to the next playoff round. Matchup we've chosen to look at is number one, Switzerland in Group G, taking on number B, Italy. This is the eighth match of the 10 that they will play. Switzerland right now lead by one. Uh, Romania, uh, good job remaining mathematically alive this long. You very soon uh, won't be. They're not really in the mix. And everybody else in the group, mathematically eliminated. Switzerland won the first time that these two played on the road one to two earlier this stage. And we will talk about the Swiss gals first. They're ranked number 11 currently in Europe, number 19 worldwide by FIFA. They've only had one World uh, Cup appearance before. That was back in 2015, and they made the round of 16. So good to see them uh, doing so well, potentially back in action. 2017 was the only time that they qualified for the UEFA Women's Championships. Didn't get past the group stage. This group stage, they are 6-1-0 and oh, with a uh, borderline cartoonish 27-3 goal differential. The scoring leaderboard with 6. Uh, Anna Maria 
Oh, I practiced this name so many times. Uh, Kurnogorsevich <laughs> starts with C-R-N-O. It feels like it needs one more vowel. I, I'm trying, but it's hard to learn everything all at once for pronunciations all over the world. In any case, she plays striker. I can say that with ease. And yes, I, I'm sure you wouldn't mix this up with anybody else uh, NWSL fans. She did play for Portland for two seasons a couple of years back. She's also done time with FC Barcelona, one of the great world powers right now. If you managed to find an online stream for this, you will see her uh, running around everybody very, very quickly. Uh, she's got long strides. She's five foot nine. Also makes her excellent at heading the ball as a striker. Tied with her, also with six goals, is Komba Sao, S O W. She's a midfielder that plays for Paris FC. Not one of the truly great teams over in France, but the French uh, league is arguably the best league in the world. And we do have a USA connection. I don't know how much playing time she gets, but they've got a midfielder who I believe currently plays for Stanford University in Catalin Stahl. As far as this team's current form this year, they are 1-1-1 one, one, and one with a 3-6 to six goal differential, so not the greatest. And that one win uh, you might sort of find listed as a draw, that was when they beat Italy on penalty kicks. And now, speaking of Italy, they are ranked number 8 by UEFA, number 14 worldwide. All the players that they have, you won't find any USA connections here on their main roster are with Serie A clubs right there in Italy, except for one or two of their recent call-ups, maybe. They have made three World Cup appearances in the past. 2019 was the first one they made that was this century, and they did pretty well. They made the quarterfinals. That's tied for the best they've ever done historically. Uh, conversely, though, uh, for the UEFA Women's Championship, they have made almost every single iteration of that particular event. It's a little bit of a surprise that they don't have, uh, at least to me, more World Cup experience. But uh, their best finishes were back in the 1990s. They finished runners-up a couple of times. This year, in this group stage, 6-0-1 with a 29-2 goal differential. On the scoring leaderboard was seven leading the way. Cristiana uh, Girelli, or Girelli, yeah, I've got that right. Girelli, Girelli, not sure which. Striker with Juve, which is uh, the Italian force. They are just about unbeatable in that league. Uh, their current form uh, for 2022 they are 3-0-1 with that one loss, again, being the loss to Switzerland. They've got an 11-2 goal differential over that stretch. And uh, I got to be perfectly honest. I think the Italians, it might be time for the gals to finally break through. Sorry, Switzerland. Hey, person noob, I hear the cats. I think they want water. Oh, they've got water. Oh, they want to recap from last week's matches. Okay, well, I can do that. Match number one last week was a Friday match from the African Champions League in the group stage. Number four, Haroya AC took on number three, Amazulu. The result was a 1-1 draw, and neither one advanced from the group stage because that ended it. Saturday, match number B, we took a look at the FA Cup from Bahrain, and it was all hid, taking on Muharak. Muharak. They won on penalty kicks after it was tied 1-1. Congratulations to them on the hardware. Match number three, Chicago versus Dallas and MLS. That went to a nil-nil draw. Sunday, match number four from the secondary tournament in Africa, the Confederation Cup. We looked at from Morocco, RSB Burkane versus number one, ASEC Mimosas from the Ivory Coast. It was Burkane getting a 1-0 win. And that means that they win the group over Simba, I think from Tanzania, on goal differential. Tuesday match number five from CONCACAF's Champions League, the semifinal, leg one of a two-legged tie. Pumas, UNAM, took on Cruz Azul, and it was Pumas with a 2-1 win. 
man of the match possibility we said to look for Juan Viano certainly was he had a brace match number six from the UEFA Champions League quarterfinals first leg of the two-legged tie Benfica from Portugal played host to Liverpool and I'm sure they wish they didn't haven't had had to because Liverpool won one to three a guy we said to look for that might do well did have a goal for Benfica Darwin Nunez Match number seven from the secondary tournament in Asia, the AFC Cup. First round, Mashindra out of Nepal took on Blue Star from Sri Lanka, and it was the Sri Lanka side winning one to two. Although Bishaw Stresta, that we said to look for, did have a goal for the Nepalese team. Thursday, match number eight from our FA Cup, the U.S. Open Cup, second round. Rochester NYFC took down the National Amateur Cup champions of Lansdowne boys from Yonkers. It was Rochester that came out with the win 1-0 to advance. Match number nine, World Cup qualifying group stage for the UEFA women. We looked at number four, Belarus, and number B, Iceland. Iceland put on a show. They won 0-5. Galu said to look for uh, Gunnhildur Johnstadter. She had a goal. There was no change in the table position, but this is really going to make it hard for Belarus to catch up with the Czech Republic, even for third place. Match number 10, Liga MX from the Klausura stage. Number one, Pachuca got to take on number B, Tigres, UANL. And it was the home side winning 2-1. For Pachuca, Victor Guzman had a brace. For Tigres, Luis Quinones had a goal. There was no change in table position there. And now... Your bonus matches with explanations of becoming later. Our route of the week was from the Premier League of Belize. Last place, Cesar Ridge took on first place, Verdes. And Verdes won in the last match, I believe, of their season, nil seven. It certainly was a route. Then the most meaningless match in the world from Algeria's League Pro 1, ASO Chief. They beat, uh, or Clef, rather, they beat number nine, U.S. Biskra, 2-0 and switched table positions. So they're still trapped right in the middle of their standings and uh, are both just as meaningless as before. And then finally, a match of disappointment was a Wednesday match from Kenya's Premier League. Last place, Matara United took on number 17, Vahiga Bullets, or Vahiga United. I had found both. Turned out that game was so disappointing they decided not to even play it, at least for now. That got postponed and, from what I understand, has been rescheduled for the 17th of this month. That concludes your recap from last week's matches. Now let's dive right back into the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. This is the last of our Tuesday matches. Although this time, even though we're switching confederations, we're not doing it for World Cup qualifying. It is AFC Cup time. Now you notice I don't say AFC Champions League. This is kind of sort of their version of the Europa League in Europe. It is a secondary tournament, but the biggest leagues don't send any of their teams. Some of the mid-sized leagues, as far as ratings, they will send their uh, runners-up or third-place teams. And then this is where the champions go for all the uh, smaller or not-as-soccer-focused countries all across Asia. It's a really cool format, in my opinion. I kind of wish Europe would have tried this out at some point. In any case, they are in just the second preliminary round. And basically, all they're doing at this stage is uh, having teams from uh, the South Asian subgroup play. There were just a lot more of them, and so they're having to have these preliminary rounds. Uh, The one that we're going to look at is Dhaka Abahani out of Bangladesh, and they are taking on Valencia. No, not a guest appearance from uh, uh, League One in Spain, obviously. That is the name of another club from the Maldives. Uh, The winner of these two will get to advance to the playoff round where they will take on either favorites uh, ATK Moen Bagan 
out of India or Blue Star out of Bahrain, a team that uh, beat Paro out of Bhutan last round, which we covered last week. Let's talk about Dhaka Abahani first. The full club name is uh, Abahani Limited Dhaka. Not sure why they switch it around when they shorten it up, but they are known as the Splue, the, the Splue, the Sky Blue Brigade. I'm not going to turn that into a portmanteau, but maybe it's just because I'm confused because guess what color is not on their crest? Yeah, you guessed it, blue. Maybe it was on an old iteration that I didn't see, but it's certainly not on the current one. But nevertheless, we don't want to pick on you. And in fact, happy birthday. The club turns 50 years old this year. Uh, They are one of the top 80 clubs in the AFC. Give you a little perspective in that regard. Uh, The Premier League of Bangladesh is ranked 18th within the AFC. So just about within the top third. Domestically, this team has won six league titles. That's the most in the nation's history. Most recent one was in uh, 2017-18. They qualified. uh, Actually, they shouldn't even be here. They only finished in third place in their league in 2021. But as often happens in Asia, in some of these smaller countries, uh, one of the teams, and in this case, it was the second place team, was not able to get an AFC license. And so their birth passed down to this particular team. And uh, the league is ranked highly enough that they did not have to play in the first preliminary round. They got a bye to this second one. Now, how is the team doing? Best gauge is to look at their league play, of course. And uh, they are currently in second place about halfway through the season. They've got a top four offense scoring almost two goals per match. A top three defense, they only allow one. And that's good for the second best overall goal differential. I think that we will see them here again next year. Tied for number three in league scoring is the singularly monikered Dory. Yeah, we found him or her. Well, I assume it's him, even though the fish was a her from the movie. Kind of a bad joke, but what can I say? I've got person noob. She knows the movie. I'm used to making children's movie references. We found Dory out of Brazil, forward 32 years old. Uh, spent most of his career with uh, subdivision one Chinese clubs, interestingly, after getting his senior career start, I think with Fluminense in Brazil. And then tied for number one in league assist for them is Danielle uh, Colindre. Yeah, we have a CONCACAF. Uh, reference here, although you'd have to be a fan specifically of Costa Rican ball. He was a forward from there, 37 years old. Uh, he spent most of his uh, early career with Saprissa, a very long stint, and then he was back again with them somewhat recently before making this kind of seemingly uh, odd or randomish mood. I wonder, I wonder how he ended up in this particular uh, league. It would just be a fun story to have access to. In any case, their team form, they are 2-3-0 and oh in their last five. And now Valencia, very cool nickname. They are the Sunrisers. Uh, they play out of Malé, the capital. Their league is not nearly as good, and so they are the underdogs. It's ranked just number 36 in the AFC, uh, well uh, down uh, in the second half of the coefficients for Asia. They have won the league title four different times, but not since 2000. Uh, they're stretched through the 2001 through 2004 years. Uh, they've only been to the Champions League a couple of times, and uh, they never made it past the second qualifying round. As far as how they've done in this event, not really much better. They've made it more recently, 2017, but they fell out of things at the preliminary round level. Uh, they qualified for this event with a second-place finish two years ago. Uh, Maldives' top flight was canceled last year. And again, they advanced to this round by beating uh, Pyro out of Bhutan. Good luck to both, but I think the Sunrisers are really going to be up against it. Match number seven. 
Come on back home for the first of our Wednesday matches. We're back in CONCACAF for the Men's Champions League. It's in the semifinal, the second legs of the home and away two-legged tie. We looked at Pumas UNAM and Cruz Azul out of Liga MX for the first leg of the semifinals. And even though that one is closer, we will flip things around and we will be talking about the MLS siders. NYCFC playing host to Seattle Sounders. Last six times they've played, things have gone very evenly. They've each got a 3-0-3 record. Leg one, Seattle gave themselves a very nice cushion with a 3-1 win at home. You can catch this match on TUDN for a Spanish-language broadcast or FS1 at 9 p.m. Eastern time, since that's going to be out. Oh, no, I was about to say out in Seattle, but it's in New York. It's just a late start for some reason. Kind of surprising. In any case, we'll talk about NYCFC first. I'm sure they don't appreciate me trying to send them out to the Sounders uh, home turf a second time. They had a hard enough time the first time as it is. They qualified for this iteration of the uh, Champions League by being the 2021 MLS champions. Their first ever title after finishing fourth in the Eastern Conference. Uh, They barely managed to advance to this stage. They nearly blew their lead against Guatemala's uh, Comunicaciones last round. Uh, They ended up tying at 5-5 on goals, but the away goal rules was in place. NYC had more of them and got to advance. He made a look for a second place in events scoring so far. Valentin Castellanos, their Argentine, Argentinian forward, who's just 23 years old. Not sure how long they're going to be able to uh, uh, not take the money and run. Uh, most recent uh, transfer rumors I've seen from him involve Leeds and West Ham, but uh, there have been some French leagues in play as well. He'll be heading over to Western Europe sometime, almost certainly. The best overall player they have, though, is probably Maxi Morales, another Argentinian. Long in the soccer, too, 35 years old, plays central attacking midfielder for them. Spent the heart of his career with Atalanta. Very accurate on crosses and tracks back well on defense. He's a good tackler. Hard to get a counterattack going against these guys. As far as their current form, eh, not so much so. They have lost four straight across all competitions. Have a very unwieldy four and 11 goal differential over that stretch. And their uh, league season hasn't started out great either. Here in uh, 2022 MLS, they're only 12th place in the Eastern Conference. Uh, The defense has been a little bit better uh, there, but uh, the offense has almost been non-existent. Looking to take advantage of their two-goal cushion, the Seattle Sounders, also I just learned, known by another nickname, the Rave Green, which is a name for a shade. uh, I'd never heard of that name before. It's supposed to be symbolic of the forests of Cascadia. Kind of cool. Uh, This is their seventh appearance in the Champions League. Uh, 2020, they made the round of 16. 2012 was the best they've ever done. They made the semifinals. Uh, They qualified by having the best regular season record in MLS of the teams that didn't already qualify. Basically, here's what that means. MLS normally would have sent three teams to this thing, uh, but instead, uh, or no, they would have sent the usual number rather, but normally this fourth and final entry would have been the FA Cup, the U.S. Open Cup winner. But that event was canceled last year, so here is Seattle, and they have taken advantage. Uh, also, uh, they have done part of that at the expense of Leon. They walloped them last round, the Liga MX side, 4-1 to one to, on aggregate to advance to the semifinal. 
Tied for number three in event scoring is Freddie Montero, their Colombian forward, 34-year-old veteran. This is his second stint with Seattle. I believe he played for Vancouver in between. He earned his European pedigree, playing for one of the big three over in Portugal. Two different times he had stints with Sporting CP Lisbon. Also tied for number three in event scoring is American Jordan Morris, uh, their winger. He has spent his whole career in Seattle, except for a little vacation he got to take, made a few appearances on a brief loan with Swansea City, now of uh, the uh, championship, second division over in England. Coolest thing about him I found, although I'm sure he doesn't have it, I don't know if that's the right way to right way to phrase it, but he's one of the few professional athletes in soccer and maybe in any big professional sport that has type one diabetes. So, you know, pretty cool that he's been able to be so successful in an endeavor like this. They're not doing too well in the league season so far as well. They're just tied for number 11th in the West right now. Trouble has been uh, on offense, although that was really their first couple, three matches. Uh, they have been finding their stride in that regard. They are four, two and zero. Oh across all competitions in their last six. In fact, I don't think they're going to have any trouble, even on the road, making use of that two-goal cushion that they have. Match number eight. Our other Wednesday match, number eight, is from UEFA's Champions League. It is quarterfinal time there, the second legs of the two-legged tie. The more interesting one, I mean, they're all interesting in Europe. But Atletico Madrid versus Man City, because Man City won the first match 1-0, and now Atletico Madrid have a chance to try to even things up and win on penalty kicks or maybe even win outright, although I think that's going to be very hard to do against Man City. The winner is either going to get Chelsea or Real Madrid. The La Liga teams have had a very good showing this tournament. You can catch this on TUDN or Paramount Plus at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and you can get more information on that somewhere else. You probably already know plenty about it. This is the time of podcast where we'd like to tame a timeout and use our uh, learning and study of football as an excuse to learn about culture. Now, normally, this is, of course, where I do food, one of my favorite things in the world, and probably yours too. But since Noobstradamus already had us salivating uh, with that Malbec he was enjoying and the you know, duck comfit and all that, I figure it's not fair to do that to you uh, a, a second and different time. So instead, I've chosen that we will look at something art-related to the host city, Madrid, the Golden Triangle of Art, which is not a phrase I was familiar with. Uh, it's on uh, all the three museums, uh, the main museums at the very least, are on the Paseo del Prado, which is the uh, southern end of the city's central access. So you go, go vacationing, more of your museums are going to be on the south side, or at least these bigger ones. These are the big three. The one that I was most familiar with in name is the Prado Museum, named after the street, of course. But as it turns out, it's only the second most attended of the three, at least last year. Uh, their main collection, it uh, covers uh, European art from the 12th through 19th centuries, very specifically. Uh, my favorite piece of the ones that I've seen there virtually, I've never been there, is probably the Garden of Earthly Delights by Hieronymus Bosch. Uh, it was it was Pizzo's probably finished, they think, right around the turn of the 16th century. Uh, it's a triptych. I love whether it's carved stuff or painted stuff. I love these three panel pieces instead of just uh, more standard uh, canvas and other types of things. So this is Oils on Oak. And it's three different pieces. Uh, usually pieces like this were altar pieces, but this one was probably a little bit too uh, vivid. It was probably 
uh, done for a lay person who uh, simply contracted that out for his own private collection. Now, usually with a triptych from this era, uh, you get something on the left that is some sort of a painting or depiction of the Garden of Eden. And then on the far right, and these are smaller pieces, taller and narrower, you get the Last Judgment with some kind of main themed piece in the middle that may or may not even necessarily be religious. But that's just the way the art was done then, I guess. Uh, this particular one, it's hard to know if the main piece and everything it's depicting with its fruit and agriculture and uh, quasi uh, earmuffs, earmuffs person new. Uh, no, you know what? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say the O word. Let you could Google it up for yourself, and let's just say there's a lot of people having a very, very good time. Critics to this day don't really know if it was a a, a warning against uh, these sort of lascivious lifestyles, or if it was more of a depiction of sort of a paradise lost. Then your second museum, uh, the Reina Sofia National Art Museum. This is actually the, mo the most attended of the three. And it's got your 20th century stuff, particularly Spanish stuff. Uh, like for example, uh, Picasso amongst his other pieces, uh, uh, the Guernica, uh, which is uh, his uh, surrealist cubist anti-war piece. I'll be honest, I'm not a really, really huge uh, cubism guy, but it's probably the most famous piece that they have there. And then the one that I had never heard of at all, the Tyson Bornemisa Museum. I almost want to say that it's a collection house. It's got over 1,600 pieces that helps fill in the collections from time to time of the other two, but it is a museum in its own regard. Uh, it fills the historical gaps that the other two museums' primary collections don't cover. Example, with the Prado. Uh, these guys counterbalance that by having a lot more Italian primitives, so much, much older. And then they've got works from uh, the English, Dutch, and German schools of painting and other art. And then in the case of trying to complement the, the National Art Museum, uh, the uh, Tyson uh, Bornemisa, they have more stuff from the Impressionists expressionist European and American paintings and they're much more heavily focused if not quite truly on modern art at the very least stuff that's well within the second half of the 20th century at one time this was the second largest private collection in the world not private now actually after the British Royal Collection so I leave it to you to use your own uh, Google machines and go on rabbit trails a little bit weird to talk about art in an audio only podcast but we know a little bit more than we did before, do we not? And now it's time for... Jokes in the Jelly Jar, Jokes in the Jelly Jar. It's a jelly jar full of jokes. Ta-da! Awesome work on the theme song, Person Noob. I don't think we're ever going to have to redo that one. That was really good. Mm -mm. No? You didn't like it? No, we're never going to redo it. Oh, it's perfect as it is. Jokes jokes from the jelly jar. All right, well, I have a couple jokes from the jelly jar for you, sort of birthday girl. Did you hear about the ketchup thief? He was caught red-handed. <laughs> <laughs> now, would you like to give your cr critique of that? What did you think of that particular bad joke? It was a bad joke, but I liked it. What do you call a pig with four eyes? This one works really well on an audio podcast instead of uh, something on like YouTube or TikTok. You call it a pig. <laughs> you want to explain it so it's even funnier? With four eyes. That's right. It's an eye, though, as in the letter. 
All right, one more. This one might be a little tougher unless you know the expression. My friend Doug was a struggling artist until he decided to do just sculptures. He made over six figures last year. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> you actually like that one, huh? All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to... Jokes in the Jelly Jar. <laughs> Jokes in the Jelly Jar. Match number nine. And now for the tail end of our soccer week, since we do run Friday through Thursday, match number nine is the first of our two Thursday matches. We're going to end things in Europe, the Europa League specifically. It's quarterfinals, second leg of the two-legged ties there. Uh, we picked Rangers versus Braga out of Scotland and Portugal, uh, respectively, specifically because all of the matches except this one, the first legs went 1-1. Uh, this one looked a little bit more intriguing because Braga won the first leg at home 1-0. So Rangers have got to make that up. Uh, you can catch this at 3 o'clock in the afternoon Eastern time on Paramount+. Plus. Now, uh, for this second best international club tournament, let's talk about Rangers first. They're ranked number 38 currently by UEFA as a club. Uh, a lot of international experience just by virtue of the fact that they're uh, one of the older clubs in the entire world, basically. They made the Champions League semifinals, best they've ever done, all the way back in 1959-60. They've made a lot more hay in recent years in the Europa League. They made the final in 2008, and the last three years they've gotten as far as the round of 16. They started this year in the Champions League, but they lost to Malmo in Sweden. Uh, the Europa League, they beat uh, last round, they beat Red Star Belgrade out of Serbia, 4-2 on aggregate. Key players to look for on the event scoring leaderboard for them is their Colombian striker, Alfredo Morales. He's got 11 national team caps, and I believe he might be the all-time international leader for Rangers in European club competition goals. He's got 29. But their current best overall player is probably English right back James uh, Tavernier. He's been here since 2015. Now, uh, the uh, Scotch Premiership, the top flight there, is ranked uh, number nine by UEFA. And in that league this year, Rangers are currently in sixth pla or second place, rather, six points behind Celtic. They've got uh, second-best offense, scoring over two goals per match. Same for the defense in terms of ordinal ranking. And we have a USA connection. Hello again to New York City FC fans. Midfielder James Sands is still over there. He's 21, but he is on loan from NYCFC. Team's current form, 1-0-2 in their last three across all competitions. And now perhaps the slightly more unfamiliar club to uh, some Westerners, uh, certainly for me, Braga. They're probably the best team in the Portuguese Primeira Liga outside of the big historical three. They are known as the Archbishops, kind of a cool nickname, uh, did a little digging. It turns out that it goes back to a time uh, of the kingdom or region of Galicia uh, was uh, a powerful one. And uh, Braga and Guimarães, if I'm saying that right, were two of the big cities. They're in the northern part of Portugal now. Um, Guimarães became the seat of the king. Um, and uh, the nobility in general, but it was divided against the church because Braga was a big, the bigger trade center and the seat of uh, the archbishop, hence the nickname. In any case, back to the footy. 2011, they made the Europa League finals, best they've ever done. This is where Braga makes their living is in the EL. Uh, they have made the last nine Europa Leagues. This is about as far as they ever get, though. 
Uh, they qualified as the 2020-21 FA Cup winner. It wasn't, although I think they also finished fourth place in the league, which would have also put them there. They advanced to this round by beating Monaco FC out of France's League One, three to one on aggregate. Uh, key players to look for, or that you could try to look for, I should say, tied for number one still in event scoring is. Galino out of Brazil forward and he's still playing this event but as of January he's no longer doing it for Braga he got sold on to Porto FC Uh, he's got a mess of goals between the two teams but obviously can't appear for both of them so he is no longer with Braga as of January Uh, best player they've got going remaining is uh, Ricardo Orta he's a Portuguese left winger Uh, he tackles well his passing accuracy, interestingly, is not all that great, but he uh, very much specializes in crosses. Hence the reason that he has five assists on the year, and he is a vo- high volume and highly accurate shooter. He has got 15 goals on the league year. And by the way, uh, the Premier Liga is the number six ranked league in all of Europe. They are currently in fourth place in the league once again, have all but mathematically made it certain that they're going to finish there and will once again, no surprise, be in the Europa League next year. Team's current form, they have won four straight across all competitions with a 7-2 goal differential and uh, not conceded a single goal in their last two. I like their chances against the uh, Scottish side. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! Yes, indeed. Person new, one more before we get to the three super fun bonus matches. It's another European tournament, this time the tertiary one, the Europa Conference League, brand new tournament for uh, some of the also-rans and some of the biggest leagues and a lot of second and third place teams from some of the smaller leagues, teams that don't have a chance usually to play in competitions. A lot of people have come out against this league, thinks it's a waste of time. I think it's wonderful that you're getting uh, some clubs of different sizes and reputations a chance to play some international ball outside of friendlies. Uh, They are in the quarterfinal, the second leg of the two-legged ties, and the most interesting matchup looks to be Roma versus Bodu Glimt out of Norway. And in the first leg, it was actually Bodu Glimt that won two to one to everybody's surprise. Uh, They've actually played three times somewhat recently and Bodu Glimt have won two of those three. And I believe they got a tie in the other one. You can catch this one at three o'clock Eastern on Paramount plus Roma getting to host the second leg. They are known as the she wolf, a, a crest and mascot that is an homage Uh, to the mythological founding of the city of Rome, of course. Internationally, a lot more experience than their counterparts today. 2018-19, I believe they made the Champions League round of 16. That was the most recent appearance. Uh, 2017-18, they made the semifinal. That would be the best they've ever done. Uh, They made the Europa League final also back in 1990-1991. A lot of teams would probably be given a hard time for being excited over winning this new tournament's trophy, but they've gotten so close so many times here in the modern era. I think they would like, like to host some big silverware of any kind. As far as league play, well, uh, Serie A in Italy is currently ranked as the third best association in Europe. Roma qualified for this event by having actually a little bit of a down year. They finished in just seventh place in the 2020-2021 season. Uh, They advanced to this round of this event 
by beating uh, Vitesse out of the Netherlands, 2-1 to one on aggregate. Uh, number one event score for them, no surprise for those who are familiar with the team. Tammy Abraham, their English striker, just 24 years old. Uh, Chelsea actually had the rights to him for years, but he was usually loaned out. I believe Roma own him outright now. Uh, he's also already got 10 national team appearances under his belt. Their best overall player, though, I don't think it's him. I think it's Lorenzo Pellegrini, their central attacking midfielder. Uh, he uh, contributes plenty on offense, eight goals, four assists. Also plenty of overall experience internationally. He's got 22 national team caps. He is a sharpshooter, very accurate, uh, very excellent in passing when it's key passes or crosses. But his overall passing volume is actually not that accurate. But I did a little digger, uh, uh, deeper digging, and I found out that uh, even compared to most uh, central midfielders, so much of the offense runs through this guy that it would be just about impossible to expect that his passing accuracy uh, would be above 90, where you find it really with the top ones in the world. As far as this year's Serie A stats, well, they are currently in fifth place, which uh, would be good for a Europa League spot at season's end. Uh, they're pretty well balanced, have a well above average offense and defense, uh, nothing that's top four, but their goal differential is in the top five. So I think that maybe by the time's all said and done, they could flirt with a Champions League spot for next year. And they have certainly been on a run. Uh, other than that lost to Boda Glimpse, they are undefeated in their last 11. Boda Glimt out of Norway, really. If you're not familiar with them, you've got to be asking how on earth. But this is the team that's been getting it done the last couple of years. By the way, Boda is the Boda is the name of the town, and uh, Glimt I've seen translated to both Flash and specifically Lightning or Lightning Flash. You get the idea. I believe this is one of only two top flight clubs that operates north of the Arctic Circle. But thankfully, I did read that uh, they now do get to train indoors. Probably part of the reason for their more recent success. Buda, by the way, is a decent-sized town for so far north. has over 50,000 people. The league is ranked number 17 in Europe, which is kind of a big deal in that if they can just get two more spots up, the league will actually get to send two teams to the Champions League. Boda Glimt, up until their very recent run, has actually been something of a yo-yo club. Uh, they've had trouble maintaining their top flight status, been in the second division quite a bit. Uh, their successes are also largely due to their new coach. His name escapes me, but one of the big things that I know he's done for them over the last, uh, whatever it is, three or four years is you know they work on a lot of the same things that everybody else works on, but he does not harp on results. They work strictly on quality of play, and he his attitude has just been the results will take care of themselves. Oh, and how even this in this tournament, you know, yes, it's tertiary, but it's a big deal for a team with uh, very little international experience to get so far. Now, last year they were in the Europa League and they made the third qualifying round, so didn't quite make the event proper. Uh, this year they did get started the Champions League for winning their league last year, but they lost in the first qualifying round to uh, Legia Warsaw out of Poland. They advanced to this round of this event with a win uh, four to three and added, added extra time on aggregate over AZ Alkmaar, I believe also out of the Netherlands. Uh, key player to look for, tied for second best in event scoring, is Ola Salbakken. He's a Norwegian forward, just 23 years old. Uh, from what I read, he'll probably be on the moves uh, next season 
Biggest club I've seen with interest in, in him, interest in him is uh, a Galata Sarai out of Turkey, which should be perfectly honest. Yes, it's probably going to be more money, but I'm not sure that's actually an improvement on the Norwegian league. I think they might be the best league going in uh, Northern Europe right now. Very early in their league season as they are considered a quote-unquote summer league, but statistically the best player they've had going so far is Alphonse Sampstead from Iceland, right back 24 years old, uh, really good passer. But again, as I said, the season is just starting this year. Uh, they did win 2-1, to so they did get a couple of goals, but if they're holding to what they did last year, uh, they will try to make this a very low-scoring match. They were a defensively-oriented team last year, and I'm sure what they are seeing is getting to advance with something like, say, a nil-nil draw on this Thursday. Bring forth the bonus matches! Ah, yes, the three bonus matches where you get to help with the magic content. How? Well, by voting on our polls that I'd like to get up on, uh, oh, on Tuesday on average, I would say, every week. I put up the candidate matches. You vote. Things get dreamy. And we get matches like this one. Dramatically, Person Noob, what is it called? Route, 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 route. Of, 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 of. The week, week, week. Week. Yeah, every week we look at a first through a first versus last place matchup from somewhere in the world, and the one that you have voted for, New Bites, if I may refer to you as such, is a Saturday match from the Premier League of Zimbabwe, the number 19 ranked league in all of Africa, where they're maybe about a third or so of the way through the season. Because they're not in the top 12 in Africa, the league only sends one team to the Champions League, but a whopping four of the 18 will get relegated. Your matchup, and I think I can tell why you voted for this, <laughs> number 18, Huahua, versus number one, Chicken In. I think you just wanted me to say that word, make that strange noise is almost how it comes out. Huahua. Sometimes I've seen it all as one word, W-H-A, W-H-A, and sometimes I've seen it with a space in the middle with uh, the second one, W capitalized as well. Anyway, it is a neighborhood or sort of a district on the outskirts of the city of Gweru. That is the capital of the Midlands province, which is right in the center of the country, about 150,000 or so people. Uh, for such a small city, it's got a pretty diverse eco diversified economy, but uh, cattle and agriculture are really the biggest things, although they've got a couple of good up-and-coming uh, larger universities there. And by the way, a side note about the name, I don't know if this is related to somebody like a company who makes it or or if it has a second meaning or what it is, but Hwahwa is actually the word there in that part of Africa that refers to a beer that is made out of fermented corn. Maybe it's fine, but for some reason it doesn't sound like something I would want to try right out of the gate. I would have to be, uh, I would have to be convinced, I think. Uh, this, by the way, is the league's uh, first season in a couple of years because of COVID. The last full season they got in was in 2019, and Huahua wasn't in it. I know that they came up to the top flight in 2015, so sometime in the, you know those four years, they must have dropped back down and then come back up again. In any case, this year in league play, their offense is actually not too bad. It's right about average. If they've got any chance of winning, uh, they're going to have to do it getting a lot of goals because they got the worst defense of the league going. They give up almost two and a half per match on average. Woof. Team's current form, they have lost three straight since their win over Yada, 
which at the time would have been a match in one of our other bonus matches. But much to my surprise, you didn't vote for it then. I thought for sure Yada versus Huahua would have gotten your attention, but we got our Huahua in now. And coming to challenge them, number one, Chicken Inn. Just fun to say. I have to call it out. And by the way, as you probably would guess, Chicken Inn, yes, that's the name of a fast food franchise. Basically, their version of uh, KFC, I suppose. As such, they are known as the Gamecocks. They were founded in 1997, fairly recent club. They are out of, playing out of the city of uh, Bulawayo, which is the second largest city in the country. It's in the central kind of southwest portion, one and a quarter million people. Uh, the name is really interesting because it translates to the one to be killed, which really threw me at first. But it turns out it goes to a civil war uh, that was happening at about the time of the city's founding. And there was somebody who it looked like was uh, kind of ruling the area and would be the ruler of the city. And then the guy who ended up defeating him referred to him as the Bulawayu, the one that needed to be killed, I guess. And for some creepy reason, they left it as the name of the town. Maybe something's lost with the translation. I found it very odd to say the least, but the city is not doing great economically. I like to look at the, you know, what sort of businesses are biggest there, but, all the influence that this town had has been going away. It's been moving to uh, eastward and uh, to the capital. It's not a city that's uh, got a good future here in the short term, unfortunately. Footy-wise, they have won the league title one time. That was in 2015. The last complete season, 2019, they finished in second place. Uh, they have the second best offense in the league right now. The defense is a lot lower in the ordinal rankings if you were to look at a table, but it's just not a high-scoring league in general. So their defense is really more or less on par with everybody else. And their fur, uh, their form rather, has been very good of late. They're unbeaten on their last eight. Uh, they're coming off a shootout against the third best team in the league right now. We've talked about them before. Manica Diamonds, that went to a 3-3 draw. So given that, again, I always look, try to look for a way. Is there a way that the last place team can win? Well, it's early-ish in the season. The Gamecocks just gave up three goals for Chicken in and... The defense or the offense for Wahua is their relative strength. So maybe they could win in a shootout. We shall see. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. But you know, the teams are not meaningless to those who love them. And we're going to learn to love a couple of teams a little bit, but what kind of teams? Well, teams that are smack dab in the middle of their table, more or less, perfectly equidistant from uh, the glory of finishing near the top and getting into an international competition, but not really in danger of getting relegated either. In other words, teams that for the most part, nobody else out there is talking about. Although not the, true this particular time, before I get into the match, I want to say hello to uh, new friends of our show over at Football Kentron, that's spelled with a K, and you can find them as such on Twitter. Uh, they are three guys who do an English language podcast on Armenian football. Now, what makes that extra, extra interesting, and I would love to get the story behind it with them sometime, but I really uh, just met one of them or more on Twitter, is uh, one of them is based in Cyprus, uh, one, I believe, in Argentina, and the third one might be based in the U.S. Can't remember for sure. But in any case, they were gracious enough to provide us some information for 
what is our most meaningless match in the world, which is a Tuesday match that you voted on from the Premier League of Armenia. First, a little bit about the league. Uh, It is ranked only number 41 in UEFA, which makes it a little bit of an interesting uh, league football cantron, guys, to uh, have such an interest in. I wonder if it's something arbitrary you guys just decided to do for fun because nobody else is doing it, or if you're connected to the area. Uh, It's currently only a nine-team league. It was supposed to be a 10-team league, started as such, but a club called Sevan got expelled for some reason in December Probably money, that at least is usually the cause of such things. Uh, because they are not very high in the coefficients, they only get the minimum from international berths, one Champions League berth, two to the Europa Conference League. Nobody's getting uh, automatically relegated this year, probably because of the Savannah expulsion, I'm going to guess. But the team that finishes in ninth will have to play in a relegation playoff match to try to stay in the Premier League for next year. Your matchup, number six, Urartu taking on number five, Noah. And I'm sure I'll hear about it if I mispronounced either of those, particularly the first one. Here's how the uh, table looks. Noah currently lead Urartu by two in the table, a time of game scouting. Uh, Noah trail number three, Ararat by 10. So as you can see, they're not going anywhere. And then Urartu lead number nine, BKMA by 13. Yeah, BKMA is... uh, not probably going to be threatened for that relegation playoff spot by anybody else. As far as the series between two, uh, these two very recently, uh, it's been an even record, one, two, and one. This season, I know they've played twice and that at Arartu, uh, Arartu only managed a uh, 1-1 draw. I think Noah won the other game 1-0, but maybe it was a road victory. Hey, it's the most meaningless match in the world. You think I'm going to work quite as hard on this one as the other ones? Maybe, maybe not, but it is meaningless. Let's talk about Urartu first. They are known as the Proud Lions, which automatically makes them not my favorite team in the world because, as longer-time listeners will know, we seem to find that every other darn club in the world is named the Lions. Let's get some more uniqueness. Bring back those Sunrisers from the Maldives. Uh, This club is uh, 30 years old now. Didn't start there, but they now play out of the capital city of uh, Yerevan. Uh, the name is kind of interesting. Urartu, uh, also known as Van, if I'm getting my history right, which is the name of another club in the league, was an Iron Age kingdom that was uh, really big and existed, I want to say, between the 9th and 6th centuries, roughly, big B.C. I don't know the why of it, but uh, there's a lot of identity still with that particular kingdom. It's a big part of modern nationalism in Armenia, as I understand it anyway. Uh, this team, and this is some of the information I got from our friends at Football Cantron. This is a rising power probably in the country. They've got a coach who's learning on the job, but he's doing all right. And they've got a great academy. There's a big initiative there uh, uh, to get a lot more people uh, playing football. And this academy is going is already and is going to be producing a lot of great regional players, it would seem. They have only won the league title once. That was back in 2013-14. They've been to the Europa League a small handful of times. They've only won one match ever there, though. Uh, They were in the Europa Conference League this year, but they lost both of the matches that they played. Last year, they finished in third place in the league, so this is a bit of a dip for them. Uh, The problem has been offense. They're a little bit below average in that regard. Defense is top four. I get the impression, and I don't know from the Kentron guys I should have asked, but this this team this year seems like they're a little bit small ballish maybe. But they're getting it done on defense. They do have uh, what looks to be statistically an above-average goalkeeper in Arson 
Beglarian, <laughs> I think I might be close on that. Uh, he came up with Krasnodar over in Russia, got offers to play over in the Russian system, uh, but uh, didn't take on any of those that he was offered on. Uh, he has made 15 national team appearances for Armenia. I'm not sure that any of them have been since 2016. The team leading scorer, we get a CONCACAF connection, a guy from Haiti, a midfielder named Jorel. Uh, I know I should be pronouncing it in French. It's spelled like desire, but probably Desiree uh, or something like that. In any case, he has made 21 national human appearances for Haiti since 2015. And if you are a fan, uh, this isn't an MLS connection, but if you were a fan of the professional team in Utah, you might recognize this guy's name. From 2017, he played for Real Salt Lake's reserve team, which at the time was called Real Monarchs. Uh, they now play in uh, the MLS Next Pro, and I think the team name might have changed, but a second division team in any case. As far as the team's current form, they are 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three. Uh, kind of strangely, in their last nine, they've only got the one loss, but they have had six Draws again, hence the reason I think they might be a little bit of a small ball team this year. And then Noah, your visitors, they also play out of the capital city of Yerevan. And I'm going to go out on a only short limb or small limb and say they have the worst crest I have ever seen. It is just their club name, basically, in big block goofy letters. And it looks like it's just on a white background, although something I read indicated that it might be light green. I'm a little bit red-green colorblind, so I might be missing out on that. Either that, uh, not impressive. Also, according to our friends at Football Kentron, uh, not having an impressive year, and they should be. They are underachieving by quite a bit. This is a team that has a lot of money, even though they're a fairly new club founded just five years ago. And uh, apparently a lot of folks think that they should have already started or seriously challenging harder for more league titles. They did win the FA Cup once in 2019-2020. They got a Europa League appearance out of that, but dipped out in the first qualifying round and then uh, didn't win anything in the Europa Conference League either. Last year, not so underachieving. They did finish in second place. This year, the offense has been okay, but the problem has been defense. They're only rated number seven in that regard. As far as the offense, they are getting key man to look for. On the scoring leaderboard for the league is Alexander, Alexander Karapetian. He is from the Republic of Georgia, veteran, 34 years old, plays forward. Probably uh, the biggest club he's played for is a bit of a journeyman with Sochi for a season or so over in Russia. He has made 25 national team appearances uh, for the Armenian NT. And then also tied with him on the scoring leaderboard, leaderboard is Pavel Kurienko, forward, Russian, Another guy that came up with Zen at St. Petersburg. I know we had one earlier in the show, uh, but he did not ever play for their senior team, I don't believe us. Spent most of his time with the reserve team, and I think maybe even on their tertiary club sometimes. Uh, they are uh, underachieving this year with their money, and they are underachieving right now. They are winless in their last date. In fact, uh, they just finally managed to draw. That snapped a three-match losing streak. Basically, that offense that had been a little bit above average for them of late has absolutely disappeared. And now here at the end of our podcast road, it is time for the match of... Disappointed! Oh, that's right. We don't end on notes of happiness or joy, but rather with scorn, wailing, and gnashing of teeth over two really, really putrid teams that... I don't want to be real mean with one of them and punch down for reasons that you'll learn shortly. 
Uh, the match that you selected is a Wednesday match out of the Premier League of Kenya. Now, from this league, two of the 18 teams are going to get relegated, and uh, one of them is going to have to play in a relegation uh, playoff to keep their spot in the top flight. Season's about two-thirds over, and yet these two teams haven't played yet. They're going to play this week, and they're going to play each other next week as well, so two consecutive games. Your matchup is number 18 in last place, uh, Matari United. They're taking on number 17, Vahiga Bullets. I'm not sure if Bullets is a nickname or an official part of the club name, or if maybe it was, because uh, I see it back and forth as Vahiga Bullets and Vahiga United. Maybe once they decide on a name once and for all, they'll get a little bit better. <laughs> now, uh, Vah- I had to poke a little bit of fun. Vahiga Bullets, uh, they lead uh, Matari by four, and they trailed number 16, Wazido. That's the RPO spot. By five, and they tra- and they trail number fifteen and Zoya Sugar by ten points. There's virtually no chance that uh, either of these two teams isn't going to do it. Is you know, they're going to at least have to try to survive in that RPO slot. Best they can probably hope for. We'll talk about Matari first, and they're sort of the reason that, as I mentioned, I don't want to punch down. Their nickname for the team is Home of Slum Boys. Now, that, that could be for a certain degree of comic effect or seizure of their socioeconomic status or whatever, but I'll explain. Uh, they play out of the capital city of Nairobi, but there's an old collection of slums in the city, a uh, population of about a half a million called uh, Mathare or Matari, M-A-T-H-A-R-E. And I've seen pictures and they about redefine slum. It is, they are really sad, rickety areas to look at. In fact, they don't even play their football right there. The grounds that they play in are in a residential area of Maserani, which is where Tusker FC plays. That's their home stadium. They allow this team to play there. Tusker's one of the best teams in Kenya most years. Uh, Yet, this team has won one league title, 2008. They went out in the preliminary round of the next Champions League. They went 3-2-18 so far this year. Last year, they didn't miss having a you know, played a relegation playoff by much. They were just in 15th place. Uh, they've got the uh, second to worst offense, worst defense by a lot. They give up more than two goals per match. They're 0-1-5 uh, with a 5-11 and goal differential over that stretch. So they're finding a modicum of offense, but the defense compares uh, appears to be the big boogaboo. Now, I am not 100% for certain on this. I'm just, you know, using my powers of induction or deduction or whatever here that the slum boys thing is really quite real. I have a strong feeling, and I know all the players are from Kenya, that the players who are on this team are actually probably all or nearly all from the actual slum area of Matara. I can't imagine why else that they would have that particular name. But just a very interesting team and another fun rabbit hole to maybe go off on on your own sometime. Now, Fajika Bullets, they play out of the uh, town of Mbale, which is populated largely by the indigenous people called the Marigoli. Uh, it's in the west-southwest part of the country, about 60,000. Uh, Vahiga, by the way, they get their name. That's the name of the county. The grounds they play in, however, are not in Mbali. They are in what I presume is a larger city nearby, Kakamega, which is home to the number one club, Kakamega Homeboys, which when you spell that, don't forget, sometimes when you go to Africa, it's like a time machine back to the 90s, and you've got to spell stuff with a Z on the end. Yeah, B-O-Y-Z, homeboys. Ugh. Anyway, uh, promoted to Division One in 2018. So it's hard to be too hard on them for uh, being in the match of disappointed. They're 
you know, they're finding their way. Last year, they were in 16th place and had to uh, win the relegation playoff in order to be here once again. This year, they are 3, 6, and 14. Worst offense in the league by a lot. They've only scored 14 goals in like 23 matches. Second worst defense. Uh, They have lost two straight after getting one of their three wins, uh, which was the recently featured in the most meaningless match of the world team from Talanta. And even though I said we weren't going to poke too much fun of these teams or give particularly the Slum Boys too hard of a time, nevertheless, we will still hold to our tradition and not send them off with wishes of good luck, but rather in our usual fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo. boo. And that'll do it for episode 78 of Soccer Noob Rock in America. Thank you very much as always to he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry to Dan, the former interno inferno, always on fire with his creative efforts and to my co-host person who love you very much. Thank you so much for all your contributions and to you, dear listeners. I hope that you have enjoyed it. And if you did, well, I would say pass it along to our footy minded friends, but look at some of the stuff we talked about. Stuff that no other show is on. I mean, for goodness sake, the Bahrain the FA Cup got a mention. We went to uh, Armenia, Zimbabwe. What other shows are talking about all these? Oh, wait. Maybe that's a reason you could pass the name of our show on to your friends who like football. We're endeavoring to do something truly, truly different. Hope you'll take the time to. Thanks. And have a fabulous footy week. <laughs>